Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam Presents. Are we Gundam or are we Isekai? My name is Jeremy. And old classic, now with cat ears, I'm Tyler. And my name is Zach. Like I said, I actually kind of like this episode. There was some dumb stuff I didn't remember from it, but I kind of like this episode. I kind of agree. I actually did too. I kind of liked it as well. Um, The sweet devil Gundam fight is pretty sweet, just kind of all around. It is slightly color shifted. The devil Gundam is, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weirdly slightly more devil-y, I think, in this incarnation. Although it looks to me less like that's a custom model and more like this video game just has like a filter on its boss monsters. Like if the Devil Gundam looked like that in Dynasty Warriors Gundam, I wouldn't be like, you did it inaccurately. I wasn't concerned <laughs> yeah. about it. It was just one of those things that I noted because that's just how I generally operate. It's like more blue, right? Yeah. It's got a lot more blue in it. Before we go on, even though I like this episode, I want to stall by talking about something I got for Christmas. I got a lot of good Christmas gifts I posted on the Discord, mostly from my brother, those sweet dice and that excellent coffee mug. But my mom also got all three of us Baby Yoda controller slash phone holders, which is actually a good gift (laughs) because it comes with a 15-foot USB-C and USB to mini USB, which is great for like controller charging and being able to play games while holding a controller and charging it for sure i'm struggling to imagine what this even looks like it's like just is baby your... yoda but it's got like a platform next to it to hold the controller so it looks like it's in its hand okay my brother is super super into the mandalorian and i also watched it this year i just want to <laughs> because it's delightful i want to read you guys the directions for using the controller holder oh yes please this sounds way up my alley <laughs> how familiar are you guys with the mandalorian moderately it exists have you seen the first episode tyler <laughs> i've watched the first three episodes okay Th- then you you will fully get this imp- and appreciate it you know about baby yoda though zach right because you exist on the internet yeah it's been everywhere this year including now a controller holder for me <laughs> spoilers for the first episode of the mandalorian basically he gets a bounty from some shady ex-imperials that he's nervous about taking all they'll tell him is that it's 50 years old and when he gets to it it's baby yoda and he kills the guy who wants to kill it. And then his conflict for the next two episodes is whether or not he's going to turn it into the Empire. I mean, I could have kind of gotten that from context. Yeah, one of my biggest problems with The Mandalorian is knowing anything about it spoils the first three episodes, which are maybe the best three episodes. On the other hand, it's got a very spaghetti Western vibe, so it's kind of cool to just exist in, in my opinion. Okay, so step one, unbox the highest bounty. <laughs> step two, what is this? It's a child. Place it in a safe location. (laughs) Step three. Allow the child to help you hold your worldly possessions. Controllers, smartphones, Beskar steel. (laughs) Step four. Sit back and admire from a safe distance. Unfold the extra long cable. Yep. No, that was hilarious. Good job, manufacturer of that item. So with that, we will be watching episode three of Gundam Build Divers, The Protector, which, like I said, I think we all kind of liked. Yeah, we got another character, which is nice. Yeah. This one also has a personality. Yeah, yeah. if only the main characters could get those. That's the problem, I think, right now, is that we've got two characters with personalities. Actually, we've got three characters with personalities, because uh, Rommel. But none of them are the main characters. It's one of my biggest frustrations with this director, because I think it's kind of consistent across his three series that that's the case. In Rerise, he's trying so hard to give his characters arcs and personality, and he's so close, but it's still like kind of just like 
if I told you the stories of these characters and the arcs, you'd say, that sounds really good. But if you watch it, it's not. I mean, it's a tricky thing because on the one hand, if the goal is to like make a surrogate character where people are like, okay, I want you to project onto this person. Usually you want to try and keep like their overt character traits to a minimum so that they are better as a, you know, you project onto this character. But that's also something you do in an interactive medium. Yeah. Like a video game like Zelda, or not Link from Zelda. I was about to get myself confused. Master Chief, you know. These characters don't have a lot of character of their own because you're supposed to identify with them and project onto them. I am this character. Yeah, it doesn't make for a compelling storytelling in a non-interactive medium. Yeah. Frequently not. Although, harem series, for example, usually do this, right? Whether it's Twilight or Tenchi Muyo or How to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon. And those are fairly successful. But the thing is, those still usually the characters have character trait, like more defined character traits. Yeah, like Bella Swan enjoys Muse. The, the usual problem <laughs> with the harem protagonists is they all have the same traits, which makes them seem like very... Like, they don't have any traits. is because they all have the same ones. Yeah, where's a version of Tenshi where he's just, like, super into it? And he's like, all right, we're gonna go to harem town. Because, well, like, I was thinking, yeah. um, there's that, uh, the Monster Girl Doctor... Like, he's got all of the same, you know, standard oblivious harem anime protagonist tropes, but he's also a doctor, so he has some doctor traits about him. I'm just amazed this guy has gotten three series with this flaw. Although, I think that Build Divers shows it off the most, because Riku is clearly supposed to be that projection character, right? But Yuki is so boring right next to him. Yuki feels like he's also supposed to be a projection character. He, he's like the slightly smarter version of Riku. <laughs> I don't think we've seen enough of this uh, female friend character to really judge whether or not she has a, a personality of her own yet. Yeah, she's like tomboyish. She likes soccer. She also does like cutesy things, but is embarrassed about it. We have a lot more, but you're right. We don't have enough. Yeah, we, we haven't gotten like a focus. She's popped in. Like, she's had a grand total of maybe five minutes of screen time. Like, I think we've gotten more personality, like, more screen time for Maggie than we have for her. And at least from the opening, I'm pretty sure she's going to be one of, the, like, the primary three characters that we're going to be dealing with going forward. Yeah, there's kind of a team of five by the end, but it, they get introduced pretty slowly. So she's the next one that really gets that slot. Yeah, Ninja Girl popped up at one point in this episode. Yeah, she's like, I exist. Pay attention to me. I'll be a main cast member eventually. You saw the opening. <laughs> if you want to watch episode three along with us, you can do so on Crunchyroll, Funimation, or YouTube. YouTube even has the dub. Uh, so does Funimation. I think I said that last week, too. No dubs for Crunchyroll. I mean, to be fair, if you're going to Crunchyroll instead of YouTube, you know what you're about. So we start off with the 14th Gunpla Force Tournament. Is this similar or the same as the prequel episode, This Zach? is the prologue episode. Okay, that's what I thought. Just a shorter version. Um, yeah, this is, well, this is like the climax of the prologue episode, which is supposed to be a big flag, you know, the flag match. You know, you take out the enemy's flag, dude, and you win. Commander. Mostly. Yeah. So this is why later when he's saying there was a tactical error for him to lead. Uh, he was not the, in the prologue, he wasn't actually the flag. Somebody else was. Uh, the champion was his team's flag, but uh, Rommel wasn't his team's. Interesting. You know, when they, well, in a couple of minutes, when it, when you start playing it, they are, like, coming together in that charging thing. They do that at the end of it, but the thing ends before they actually hit each other because their flag got taken out. So we open up with an excellent 
just already like bonkers fight. Some sort of green thing with a red head has its arm cut off and its gun explodes and it grabs a pistol from out of the exploding gun. I think I've said it in the past. I don't know what the body comes off of, but I'm almost positive that's a Wadom's head from Turn A. And it looks like a Votom's mech, just how boxy it is. I know mm-hmm. it's not. We should look into what Rommel's thing is, because I should yeah, know I'm, that. Like I said, I'm almost positive that's a Wadom's head from... And I'm going to say it different ways every time I say it now, I guess. Um, <laughs> from Turn A. I really like that he manages to shoot out the champion's eye. Not that it matters, because it's a Gundam. Um, I don't know that he did that. Right before this, It like from that opening thing... It is not a Wodom's head. It's a Grimoire, which is from Reconista NG, which is why none of us recognize it. That explains that. It just kind of has that head. Oh, okay. Although that thing might have been inspired by the Wodom. The, the Wodom head, like, has a very similar looking head to that. But then the green thing, whose name I already forgot. What was it? <laughs> I also forgot it. I'm just going to call it Rommel. The Grimoire Red Beret. Okay. Whips out a sweet switchblade knife foot and rakes it across the champion's chest after dodging an attack. I love the, like, spinning attack that it starts trying to wind up with. I love when mobile suit limbs do things that humans can't. The problem is you get close to mobile armor territory with that. Yeah. And then you get into the problem we've talked about of, why would you actually build these humanoid when you don't have to? Which is a question that you shouldn't engage with with Gundam because it's denying the premise. But I do like it. One of the leg knives gets beam sabered off, though. But he's got a heat hawk to meet the beam saber. And then they headbutt and shonen at each other. That's a good way to put it. I would like to know why Rommel is a raccoon. Well, he's not a raccoon, but he's definitely a ferret, like, ferret raccoon, meerkat thing. Don't judge his fursona. <laughs> <laughs> like Jeremy has mentioned, this game has a probably proportionate number of furries. Well, it's weird because like I'd be less like questioning of it if Gundam had that kind of thing pop up more often. But as far as I know, there's no Gundam furry. It's just build divers and re-rise. This MMO just knows its fan base. They know exactly what they're doing. It is kind of odd that we have more furries than people like Maggie that are experimenting with gender. Although I suppose most of them could just log in as a character of the opposite gender and you'd never know, right? Yep. Yeah. Anyway, they argue about who loves Gumpla Battle more as they shown in at each other very hard. And then right as they're about to meet, it fades out into them in a virtual bar having a handshake and a drink together. Like I said, in the prologue episode there, it ends there because Rommel's flag dude got taken out. I find it really funny that they are, like, sharing drinks at this bar that doesn't exist. Yeah, it's even got, like, some Xeon logos on some of these spirits. Which raises the question, do you have to have an ID to get into this bar? Like, is there an age (laughs) check? Huh. Huh. GBN is way more second life than it would actually be. But I actually kind of appreciate that, because I think the one consistent theme of Gundam Build Divers is the idea that online spaces and online friendships are real and worth protecting. I'm not denying that. I'm just, I just have that question of, do you need an ID to get into this bar? (laughs) You must be at least rank C. Do you have to be 21 (laughs) to get into this bar? Well, rank 21 seems pretty high. Maggie, you wouldn't even be able to get in. So anyway, Rommel's like, yeah, I guess a tactician like me shouldn't fight in the front, which already characterizes Rommel immediately. And the champion's like, nonsense, you and your force are strong, and I want a rematch. And right now, we're getting more character from these two than we've still gotten from our main guys, just with this conversation. Then Rommel's like, but we should talk about the plot real quick. Lots of noobs are joining. Which- the problem I have right at the beginning with this is he says lots of beginners joining, and he follows it up with mass divers, and my immediate thought was, 
oh, so there's just a lot of people joining, and so these older veteran players refer to them as just this mass conglomerate, so they're mass divers. The term mass diver came up last week. Yeah. To be fair to the story, I don't blame you for not paying attention, Zach, but it has established what they are. This, I think, is a higher level conversation where it's showing the champion is understanding what he's getting at right away. Yeah, it's he was trying to be a little subtle about it. Yeah, I, I just forgot about what the mass divers were until later on in this episode. Like I said, it's fair on your part, but also to be fair to the series, it has established that. And the champion's like, well, I'm trying to take care of it instead of, you know, the devs of this game. Yes, and the devs of this game will get involved in the plot, but it is one of those fantasy elements that I'm okay with. Again, because the theme is these online spaces are worth protecting. So in the real world, it would be the devs that either decide, no, this is fine and they don't do anything about it or would have to do it. This is the fantasy of rising up to protect your thing. Yeah. I just think the threat is kind of lame, honestly, but we'll get to that. Yeah, I do actually really like it. I think it would hit a little bit better if it wasn't this digital space. Like if it if it leaned harder into like the whole isekai type of idea, as weird as that sounds, because I'm usually pretty down on that. On the other hand, he's trying to protect a community he enjoys, right? Like, he grew up in this community, and he wants to make sure it's still a space he can enjoy. So, I'm okay with that. My view on it is, I think it would hit harder if our main characters weren't our main characters. Or if, like, our main characters were people who had (laughs) been here for a while and had, like, stakes established in it instead of newcomers. Because it means they have to constantly be telling us how much they love this space. Instead of just being able to show... Yeah. Here's why I love hanging out here, and this is getting to be a big issue. But Rommel responds to the champion by saying, let me know if I can help you in any way with that. Which also brings it back to the fact that Rommel is also wanting to deal with this issue. And it's also the very shonen friendship thing, right? Of We are friend rivals, so we fight in the designated fight zones, but we have to come together at the right time. It's a thing where not only is the champion better characterized, but his motivation makes more sense and is more compelling. Mm Mm-hmm. But the problem is, Jeremy, if they were around for so much longer, they wouldn't be able to really advertise this MMO to us. Sure. But also, you can do a thing where they've been playing it for years, right? And Riku has just this, like, maybe he just gets into the competitive thing. Like, he sees the champion and he decides, okay, I've been playing GDN forever, but now I want to be really good at it. That also makes his argument with Ogre last episode way more compelling. Because it's a shift in Riku's motivation that Ogre is kind of prodding at. Imagine all the ways you could rewrite the show to be less boring. It's a curse I have. <laughs> so back to character. They have been shaking hands the entire time, and Rommel's like, yeah, so anyway, are you ever going to let go? And I do love how it lingers just a little too long for comedy, and Champion's like, well, your paw's just so soft. I will admit I got a laugh out of this uh, <laughs> sequence, because again, it it is characterizing the Champion a little bit. I find it kind of funny whenever they like draw attention to silly things like that it goes on a little long but i think that's fine so then we get the opening like i still like the song attached to the opening yeah i actually listened to pretty much the entire thing this yeah. time and like it's it's, it's pretty solid the best part of the opening which to be fair isn't bad on top of that it's just very generic yeah like it's it's reasonably well executed i i don't feel like it's a bad yeah. opening it's just an opening the problem is the opening isn't bad The opening is just super generic. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, here's this dude's mobile suit and this guy. Like, that's not really interesting from a point of view of any series, really. And, like, the last uh, opening for Try does this a little bit, but it's genuinely one of my favorite Gundam openings. Just 
And part of it is the way the song works. It gets to bookend with a big fight scene and then in the middle have a traditional opening that works really well. I, I will still say I, I feel bad that the girl drives a freaking capul because like, what did she do wrong? We'll get into it. Does she never buy a real account? No, she has to get a new, uh, uh, an actual account at some point because remember how this, this how this works? If she didn't have a gunpla to scan, she wouldn't be able to engage in gunpla battles. I assume she just started renting one. I'm assuming that she probably has her own, or later gets her own, because she has that cat avatar. Yeah. So we open up on Yuki and Riku just freaking out about how good Faker is. <laughs> They're like, man, I'm totally going to draft him in the next league. Ironically enough, not actually a good choice. Uh, Faker's uh, kind of on the downswing of his career. Well, I mean, at the time when when that we were actually trying to do that. Well, also, he like, didn't play in the league, the, we did. The best players were not a good idea, <laughs> because the best players on the best teams didn't get all the points. So they're, like, getting all jazzed and stuff, and Yuki's like, well, I'm glad Riku seems to not be down, as we showed for five seconds at the end of last episode. If they wanted to be like, oh yeah, he was feeling down after that, they needed to spend more time on it. I think they're actually going for a subtle move that is a bad thing. Because as we'll see later when he talks to the champion, Riku actually is feeling down. And I think he's just trying to hide it. Yeah. Which is realistic and kind of a cool thing. But again, this is fiction. Like the thing you do is you make him feel down. Maybe you even have him go like, yeah, I don't know if I want to play GBN today. And you have Momoka's entrance be the thing that makes him go, okay, I'll log in. I'll do a little bit. And then have him get the pep talk. And then it's literally the power of friendship, which is about the most shonen thing that you could possibly do. Here's a line that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. He says, you're done fixing your double O. Do they need to be fixed? Question mark. Yeah, I had that exact same note. Well, from what they were presented before, they didn't need to be fixed. Like, it showed it being repaired, but we don't actually know what that means because they didn't. Like, for all the tutorializing that they've done for this MMO that doesn't exist. They didn't spend any time talking about what happens if it gets damaged. Yeah, I'll talk more about how there's all sorts of mechanics that would be good to know about later, too. But yeah, I have taken this to mean that the like in-game repair time is done, but who knows? That's also what I was assuming, but... So apparently they both added a bunch of guns. Uh, Riku says, I made a bunch of weapons. Let's go shoot stuff! So they cut to the Gundam base. You can go shop there now if you live in Japan. And Momoka's like, I am also a main character now. Please take me with you. So what I was wondering is what the nature of their relationship was before this. Yeah, that would be a good thing to know, wouldn't it be? Like, is, are these people friends outside of this to begin with? My impression was that she was their acquaintance who just really wanted them to play soccer and not that they actually hung out outside of school ever. Me too, but I also get the feeling that she's been in their class their entire school careers. That's fair. They, they do seem to have a weird level of familiarity despite never hanging out. Yeah, like that is what I say. Of Like they're friends at school and this is them hanging out outside of school for kind of the first time. It would make some more sense just to like really, I think it would do better for getting more character out of them if they were hanging out like in school at some point before this, like outside of the, I want you to play soccer, like at lunch or something like that or something when in, with the three of them talking because it, it characterizes her and them at the same time or you can use that time to do that. Yeah, since their on-screen relationship thus far has been she's been their soccer stalker. Yes, that's a good way <laughs> to put it. And now you must ask, what is her goal? And she's like, so um, you guys are crazy about uh, Gumpla Battle Placeland, so I want to do it too. I mean, that would also make a lot more sense if she was their friend beforehand. 
yeah, now they're hanging out without her, and she's like, I want to mm-hmm. try too. I don't want to be the only one left out. So then she keeps saying stuff in sync with the clerk, which is hilarious. And Riku's like, no, I think it's great. And if we could pause here for a second. Last week, Zach, you talked about wanting some conflict between Sarah and Riku, and I kind of pushed back on you a little bit of that based on the promise. This gives me a very similar vibe. I don't actually want there to be any conflict between them and Momika for wanting to play Gumpla Battle, like because that would just be dumb, like, uh, no girls allowed stuff. But it is just super weird to me how little character conflict there is. Like, there's none between Rommel and the champion. There's none between our main characters. Rommel and the champion makes a lot more, like, it makes sense for them not to have a whole lot of real character conflict because they both want to win and they're both kind of, they both have the same goals. And so there's probably just a lot of respect. Like, I get the feeling they've been playing for so long that it's like, yeah, I've known this guy for years I totally agree with you. It fits the characters and it shows us stuff about them, but it just creates such a weird sugary tone to this series. I feel like that's kind of what they're going for, though. As opposed to like Gundam Seed, which was basically all character conflict. Or or even, again, it's my favorite thing they're bringing up, build fighters. Like They're mostly friends, but they are like, but yeah, I'm going to compete with you. And there is like conflict. Like At one point, there's a conflict where two of the characters are matched together. And they're in such a spot that one of them has guaranteed to advance. The other one has to win to advance. And there's conflict of, okay, he's my friend. Do I take the loss? Would that be an insult to him? That does sound like better um, character drama because drama is all about that kind of stuff. I do get the feeling like if they were to show more of the champion and Rommel, we'd see a lot more of that. But these guys, again, it would be better if they'd been around for a lot longer playing the game. And Riku's now like, I want to get into the more competitive side where Yuki is more on, still on the side of like, I don't really want to do that. Like, that's char- that's yeah. character drama, whereas we still don't have that. Because they're still so new to things, it's like, alright, glad you're playing. Yeah, and again, like, if you'd done that, Momoka could be like, I want to join. And Yuki could be like, that's great. And Riku could be in this awkward position where he's like, I don't want to say no to my friend, but also, like, I'm trying to get good. And I don't want to have to, like, babysit a newbie. So I did notice this on my first watch through, but on the frame we pause it on, Yuki actually seems to be having that reaction. Like, well, he seems a yeah. little put out, but nothing well, ever no, comes no, of it this that episode. That was attached to something he said before, because he said uh, they're getting along well, referring to Momoka and the clerk. And Momoka oh, responded with... but you have a gun plug, um, and she doesn't have one. No, and Momoka responded with, is that a problem? That's where that came from, is when, is that... No, it says specifically, do you have a Gunpla? She says no, he gets sad marks. That's exactly what just happened there. Yeah, yeah, I think it is attached to her her casualness. She's a filthy casual. Yeah, so I, I misinterpreted that. So, okay, there is, in fact, no conflict. <laughs> and no, I mean, he's like, yeah, you can teach her about that. She has to try it out first. That does raise my question, like, is there, like, a free set of, like, just available machines that you could play with if you don't have a Gunpla? I don't think there is in the game. I believe I could be wrong about this or misremembering what series it is. I think the Gundam base like has rental Gunpla for it. It seems like they should. Like It seems like a way to advertise this product, which is presumably this monthly subscription to an MMO. Mm-hmm. Although, we definitely get no information on how GBN makes we its money. We get no information nope. on how GBN, like how the thing actually works beyond the few bits that it way over-tutorializes. We get an interesting amount of the back end later, but... Okay. The pieces it chooses to reveal, I thought, are very interesting. 
And they are like, you can rent some guest diver gear here, Momoka, which I guess is just the thing that lets you log like, in. What's the difference between the, the gear that they use to log in? Because it's the same stuff. I assume they own it. Well, when they didn't have the gear, or when, when he did bring his gunplay, it was the same thing. They have those sweet mouse DPI settings, Zach. She doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I also assume you have to pay a fee every time that you rent it. Yeah, it's probably a, they pay us. Yeah, that might also just be it. Of She's just, just paying for a one-time use, and they have paid for permanent. So she's very genki about it. She is just extremely genki the entire episode. Well, I mean, she just kind of has the same personality as the others do. Except slightly amped up. She's like hyper Riku. She gets more attention from the animators on it, at least. So, you know, again, they fetishize going into VR, which I kind of get. Well, I mean, full-blown, like, anime-style VR would be very cool. Yes. By which I mean stuff like Sword Art Online and this thing here would be very cool. So we get shots of Yuki and Riku's feet, and they're like, ah, oh, that's what a guest diver looks like. <laughs> they're like, I'm glad you were able to log in all right, which I, I we don't have time to unpack that, but it adds <laughs> such like a potential level of danger that I'm sure is not intentional. It does It does do that, doesn't it? I didn't really think about it. But it also raised a couple of more questions for me regarding, like, guest accounts. How does a friends list work for a guest account? I assume you can link a real account to the guest account later yeah. or something. Like, it assigns you a temporary code or something. Yeah, I assume there's, like, an account upgrade feature. I assume it works kind of like WoW. We're thinking way too hard about this. Oh, yeah, I forgot WoW has that now. I, I forgot that they did that a while back. I'm like, can you bring a Gumpla as a guest account? I would think so, but maybe they want to like show off the social features and make you pay for Gumpla battles. That kind of makes sense. Is it just a level restriction? Is there a time restriction? A number of login restrictions? These are not important questions, nor are we going to get the answer. But they're the kind of questions that we ask anyway. They're why this podcast exists, though. So Mobica is like, why are you guys so tall? And they're like, we're not tall. You're short. And then she's a horror. She's Mr. Pink. Which I kind of love, actually. She, like, sees herself in a mirror, and she, like, gets sad horror flaps. <laughs> it's a surprising amount of emotion being conveyed from a ball. Well, and then, of course, Riku is like, okay, now I'm going to explain what a horror is. To be fair, Mobika canonically has been demonstrated to not have any knowledge of Gundam. So, it makes sense that they were explaining it. Well, but in episode two, they referred to a horror with cat ears as a distraction mechanism to get away from her. Yeah, I, I kind of called it out at the time of how, like, dumb and obsessed with Gundam that was. But it is the kind of thing a kid would do if he's super obsessed with something. That said, Riku and Yuki seem a little older than that. Yeah. And also, I feel like we have too many Gundam dumb characters in this series, right? Sarah doesn't know much about Gundam. Riku is nebulously knows about Gundam. I guess he does. But when we're introduced to him, he doesn't. So that's a weird thing. So Sarah appears because she was summoned and just picks up the Haro and is like, you are cute. That's because she just spends all of her time just checking her friends list, waiting for these two to log on. No, she's an NPC that <laughs> happens to have gotten linked to Riku's account. So she always pops up when he logs in. Maggie is also here. See, with Maggie, I get the feeling that he just kind of hangs out in the in this area because he... Lobby. In the lobby. lobby for like, um, because he, that's what he was doing when he met up with Riku and Yuki and acted yeah. like a tutorial dude for them. So like, I buy the fact that he keeps popping up. Yeah, you're so ready for my dumb question that matters even less than any of the other ones we've brought? Yes, please. How many different layers of uh, server, like how many different servers of there are there? And can Maggie just go between them because he's a noob helper? Like how many instances of this lobby are there? 
Yeah, I was wondering about that. I'm hoping it works better than, like, fighters lobby. I assume you can just hop between them if they're not full. I wonder if there yeah. is, like, a I need help button or something like that that would ping on anybody's HUD that is identified as I'm, I want to help noobs. I'm just imagining Maggie just sitting at a coffee table. I'm like, oh, an SOS. That seems like him. Like, oh, you brought a friend. And she's like, who is this person? He's like, oh, Maggie. He's like got personality and stuff. He's cool. But they can't be in this episode. Well, I mean, because they, they, they have a third new player with them this time around. Anyway, Maggie's like, oh, it's a shame for a pretty girl to just be a plain guest diver. I'll at least give you this. So apparently guest divers can equip costumes, which you know means that somebody out there has a guest account just so they can be a Haro in a Zaft uniform. <laughs> with a Char mask. Um, excuse me, while I find out Haro in a Zaft it's uniform. It's possible that they would also have, like, just be able to select a Haro as yes. their avatar. Certainly that would get added because of, uh, player demand you're right yeah it's just the baseline like guest one is apparently a haro why it's not the traditional green haro from uh the original gundam because that's what they mention it like that would be my first thought if it was just going to be a random one or maybe it's it's green if it's a guy and if you log in like i'm a girl it gives you the pink haro i don't know that was the obvious no prize answer i was going to provide I could not find a Haro in a Zaft uniform, but I did find this beautiful image of Lacus and Haro like it's some sort of like romantic comedy trailer. I'm just yeah. really sad that I couldn't find a Haro in a Zaft uniform. And Maggie's like, we're friends now, so here's a present. Cat ears. Sarah finds it adorable. So Sarah and Momoka are nuzzling each other. Oh, and I'm sure some poor boy got a fetish here. <laughs> some poor young boy that was the intended audience saw this and was like I don't understand these feelings <laughs> so I have a question about this Momoko says this ball shouldn't feel anything but I think that tickles which makes me wonder once again how immersive is this VR what sort of haptic feedback do they have that because she like starts acting like she's being tickled regardless of whether she thinks she's being tickled and she starts begging Sarah to stop it I'm just very confused I, I don't know like I'm going to go with half haptic feedback because... My problem is what sort of haptics cause tickles? And also, it's it's mostly it's just that it's been inconsistent over the course of the series, like how much feedback you get. I don't think it's been inconsistent. It just hasn't And we're only on episode us. three. I mean, we restrained ourselves from asking if the champion and Rommel can get drunk in that virtual bar, but... I assume no. I can't imagine how. Unless they have real-life drinks at their home rigs that they are drinking while they're drinking in-game. So Maggie's like, it looks like you are less depressed, Riku. We already went over this plot beat, but let's do it again. And then Maggie's like, all right, I'm out. I distributed cat ears. <laughs> all right, and now are you ready for another tutorial on how this works? <laughs> well, they got to tell Mobica. <laughs> really quick, because I only pause on this portion of this while we're recording this podcast. What events are going on in this game right now? Well, there's the Bear G Guy Festival. A screening party. Yeah. There's a spring something fest. Spring Gian. For all your Gians. <laughs> I think the Gian and the Bear Guy are both like half references to Build Fighters. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. The Gian is uh, definitely some sort of suit. It is. It's got a sword and a shield. It looks really dumb. It looks basically it, just like a knight in armor. It looks really, really dumb. I hate the head on that thing. I kind of like the Gian, but that's a discussion for another <laughs> time. So, like, this is where you choose missions, like in Fantasy Star. 
We already and went there over are this. Cute girls who ask you what mission you want to do. And Rika's like, which one should we do? It's like, well, if we want to try our new weapons, maybe we should do like a serial battle mission where you just keep doing fights. And like, yes, let us explain. And Patrick Colossar shall be our cursor for his cameo this episode. <laughs> See, I'd be okay with this kind of a thing if they were explaining it while they were showing them participating in it rather than taking time to talk about it separately. So yeah, it's basically, you know, a like infinite battle and fi- uh, fighting game, except for well, there it's is like an the end. arcade you, mode. You fight three waves of mooks. Yeah, it's like arcade mode in a fighting game. And then there are prizes at the end. So then a guy comes up and is like, excuse me, would you mind if I joined you wearing a cape and a mask? I'm definitely not a shar. It's not a Char mask. I'm trying to remember. It's not a Z. It's not I think the it's Zex Harry mask. Ords. That's it, the one that looks the most Harry like Ords. to me. Harry Ords mask are those uh, red sunglasses. Gotcha. Yeah, and it looks kind of It roundish. looks the most like full frontals to me. Yeah, it might be frontals. You might be right about that. I feel like frontals is bigger, but I might be wrong. I, th- I think it might be Rows. It definitely looks Row-like for sure. And he's blonde. He's like, would you mind if I tagged along? Me and my definitely not Smurf account are the same level as you, and my friend isn't That's, here. That was my first response to it. He's Smurfing! I think he actually just created a new account, kind of? It's hard to say based on what happens later, so that he could play with someone else. Which raises the question, how do Smurf accounts work in this? Great question. Anyway, I love that moment because like, that mask, he looks really sketchy. And Yuki's like, nah, Gundam people just be wearing masks all the time. A mask is a basic item in Gundam. Look at that guy wearing mysterious glasses in the background there. And once again, there's absolutely no um, conflict. He's like, yeah, let's just let him do it. He's like, nice to meet y'all. My name is Kiyoya, which happens to be the same <laughs> name as the champ. Which Yuki's like, oh man, that's the same name as the champ. And Yuki's like, yeah, and you're his measurements too. I do kind of love his cover lie. Of him blushing and be like, oh, I started playing GBA because I really like him, so I just made my character look like him and with his name. Makes sense, especially because, like, this dude is not exactly an expert on, like, being sneaky. Infiltration. Because why would he ever have to be? I was hoping they would, like, play along with this joke a little bit longer than just this episode. Yeah, I can see that. But I think everybody who was looking at this knew what this was, like... Again, this is a show for super babies, so I imagine some portion of the audience was surprised, but they're not playing it close to the chest. They're playing it so the dumb babies can figure it out, which means, you know, us adults see through it immediately. So anyway, Kiyoya's like, oh, no, I'm just my own biggest fan. I mean, Kiyoya's biggest fan. And Riku's like, well, that's that's a perfectly normal thing. That's why I'm playing this game at all. And I do like that he has a reaction to that of like, oh, I've got a fan. Hey, look, it's another person with mysterious sunglasses in the background on the left. I think it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, wow, people actually other than me know who I am. And Mm -hmm. wow, these kids have no personality. Anyway, nice to meet you. Then we immediately cut to them flying out. Riku's double lot has more weapons on it now. Which are all from the models we saw in his uh, house in the first episode. Which is a nice touch. Yuki's built a cool rifle that changes between beam and non-beam materials. Well, it says beam rifle and Gatling later. Yeah, so it's it's like a sniper and a Gatling. I think it's both beams. At least they're animated. They're both uh, pink, which I usually associate with beams. Yeah. And Kiyoya's like, sorry, I'm late in the fucking Age 2 Dark Hound. Oh, is that the pirate Gundam that you were talking about? Yes. That's based on the Age 2. And you know what the champ's Gundam is? Based on, it's an Age 2? It's an Age 2. This is fucking brilliant. I love his pirate hook. Oh, yeah. This is one of my favorite mobile suits, the H2 Dark Hound. I'm not as fond of the head there. 
It looks like it's trying to wear a, yeah, a weird hat. And it doesn't it doesn't go quite far yeah. enough into like the pirate hat type of thing. It's almost like a British officer hat, but not a naval officer. But other than that, it's pretty rad. Anyway, they're like, it looks cool. And Sarah's like, yeah, it's kind and super strong. And everyone's like, that is a weird thing to say. No one actually says that, but they should have. They're at the battlefield for phase one. And definitely not the champ is like, I'll just play decoy so you guys can uh, have fun beating them up. What a nice guy. I mean, if you know who he is, they've already figured it out. It's like, you know, that's kind of a neat thing. He's hanging around these two noobs, basically not running them through this, but basically being like, I'm going to help you guys out with this and let you guys have the big part. And they're the uh, the Dark Army from G Gundam. Which makes sense because the final boss is the devil. My first thought when Yuki brought out his Gatling gun as opposed to the beam rifle he had before because I didn't know it was going to change to one was, well, when you can't really aim, compensate by rate of fire. <laughs> I mean, that's my strategy in Payday. That's my strategy in pretty much everything. Riki also uses a beam rifle for this fight, which I believe is from the G-Bouncer we saw in his room. Kyoyo comes in and gets uh, one that's going to sneak up on Yuki. And apparently they cleared it pretty much instantly. I do like how they're all from the different Dark Army versions. Like the first one is just the base version. The second level is the flying one. And the third one is the submarine one. Yeah, it's all themed. And in the tutorial we didn't need, they were all themed to uh, suits that Zex Marquis used. All the example ones. Oh, neat. I did notice it's that. It's like a tall geese to I an I guess they were all Leos. I saw the tall geese in the Epion. I didn't really identify that the other ones were... I didn't realize they were all Leos, so... Yeah. We do also get to see Yuki's Gatling rifle switch positions, and he shoots one down. Riku blows some people up. I feel like they should have a slightly harder time with this, but the episode honestly doesn't have time to spare on it. Well, and there's really... uh, He's got the big sword from... uh, That comes from the sword impulse that we saw in his room. He just jumps on one like he's some sort of Kira Yamato. So they go to phase three, which has aquatic dark army. I do like how the the champion goes fishing in this one. It's pretty funny. This is my favorite move in the entire episode. It's so good. I got one on the hook. And then it just holds that up in the air for Yuki to shoot down, which is amazing. Yeah, I got a I got a huge kick out of that one. He's just like, "All right, time to go fishing." So they get to the intermission area, as was previously said, in this busted up city where they're all repairing. Uh, we see that. Sarah is now chasing Momoka because I guess they needed to stretch their legs after the road trip in the double O diver. Apparently. Well, I mean, they've just been watching, basically. So I guess it makes a little bit of sense to uh, just roam around, especially since the three guys are basically just like standing around talking about their machines. Here's another thing that is uh, told to us that we don't really need to know about it just being makeshift repairs in the middle of the intermission. Like, you get a small health boost instead of a full repair? If we knew what it meant, it would make more sense. Because what it says is supplying. Not repairing, supplying. So do they need to resupply ammunition? Yeah, and there's no added stakes because of this. They did not seem to be having a tough time before. Nor is a lack of supplies going to hurt them later, really. Anyway, Riku's like, Yuki, your weapon is so cool. It does the thing that it does. Yeah, basically they're just like, it's great! And Riku's like, I, sure... (laughs) Monica slaps Yuki in the face because her whole body is a weapon. And then, like, she says, you can't let your guard down just because it's an intermission area. That's exactly what it means. And it's, at the same time, I'm sitting here thinking, all of you are fairly new to this, but you're even newer than they are. What would you know about the difference between intermission area and not? I think she's just teasing him. I don't read anything into that. Yeah, uh, he responds while smiling, so... 
and it gets all good natured. Anyway, Riku gets somber and wanders off. Riku's like, now that I don't have to be big for my friends, I can be depressed. While they pl- while Sarah and Yuki play catch with Momoka, but she doesn't let Yuki catch him. It is pretty funny. And Kiyo is like, oh no, my protagonist's brooding senses are tingling. Well, he saw him walk past him and look a little bit more depressed, so... Well, Enrique's like, I tried all my weapons, but the champion's like, hey, good work out there. He's like, I noticed that you changed your weapon after every match. Uh, why was that? He, he kind of goes into mentor mode here. Yeah, which is a bit I really like. I, I really liked it, too. He's like, well, I want to be able to fight well without using my Transam, so I wanted to try a bunch of weapons, because I lost the other day to this real strong guy. See, again, going into it, it would make a lot more sense for him to be down on this loss if he hadn't participated in exactly one thing before this. Like, yeah. it's not like he was on a winning streak or anything like that, or, like, this is like his... He was on a winning streak of one. Or if it was, like, his second, or not his second time, like, the first time he'd really ducked into PvP as opposed to PvE and realized, oh, I'm not as good as I thought I was. That I'm the best Smash player in my high school, which means I'm the 50,000th best Smash player in the world, actually. Exactly. Yeah, that kind of a thing. He's like, yeah, his Trans Am was sweet, but I turned it on and my engine went boom. And I just wanted to be the very best, like no one ever was. He's like, I used to think just Gumpley battling with my friends was fine. You know, for one whole episode, I thought that. Yeah, the, like, again, if if he'd been presented as a veteran, like he'd been playing this for a while, and then changed around, that would make that line make a lot more sense. It's like, anyway, since I lost to him, I felt all confused. For this one episode. But then Kiyoya does have a good response, at least. of like, yeah, I understand. You're frustrated about your loss. And he's like, Riku's kind of half denies it. And he's like, I'm not wrong, am I? He's like, it's normal to feel frustrated losing something you love. Like, that just means you care about it, actually. Yeah, like I said, he's got the, he goes into mentor mode, which is, the problem with this is not the mentor mode part here. It's, it's Riku's stakes in it. Yeah. It's Riku existing. Genuinely good advice. And like I talked about with stakes earlier, it's kind of Kiyoya saying, hey, yes, this is just a game. But if you care about it, then it is actually important to you. The problem is that we, the audience, don't really feel that with him. And he even goes like, if you're frustrated, you can pretend that you weren't trying hard to begin with, but you'll always know. He's like, when I started, I always get super frustrated when I lost. I like how he just Abandons like, his character. neglects the entire yeah. persona. Well, like, he says I'm the, we're the same level. He doesn't say I'm, did he say I'm, like, really new? Because he says I'm, we're about the same no. level. So it's no, no, he does, because he says, like, he just started because he got enjoyed the champion, so... Yeah, that's that's true. But yeah, that was my first thought of like, and no one's gonna point out like, didn't you say you were brand new? That's Riku's an idiot. Well, again, this show is for super babies, so this is your second chance to figure it out. And he's like, yeah, I struggled. I tried a bunch of new things, worked hard, met a bunch of cool ferret friends along the way, <laughs> made a guild. I found the team that you met in the prologue episode. If you watched that, I got super invested in GBN and wanted to protect it. This is my backstory. It should probably be yours, if we're being <laughs> honest. Anyway, do you like Gumpla Kid? And Gunpla battle is like, it's the best, Doki Doki. You want to buy a Gunpla? It's like, the spirit is what's important. Frustration is just proof you want to win. So yeah, just use it. As long as you have that in your heart, you'll become strong. Provided you're also doing things like practicing, researching. And then he's like, oops, I forgot my persona. Wait, um, pretend that advice is coming from also a noob, friend. I'm not Michael Jordan. I didn't practice every day because I didn't make the team. And Yuki's like, I guess it's time for us to move on. Awesome. You guys, this moment is over, so we're going to get ready to move on. They say the Walter Gundam, and my immediate thought was, I don't remember a Walter Gundam. Me neither. Nor do I. 
I don't think it ever got a name. In the series, you mean? I'm yeah. sure it was. They got to sell those places. Also, toys. doesn't really look like this when it's actually doing no, stuff, it looks, I think. It looks pretty much like this when it pops up. Yeah, no, you're right. It's just one of those things where... Like its main gimmick was it would turn into a ball and then like be really, really fast. Like that that was its thing. Sariku's like, my frustration that I wasn't really expressing is over now. And Sarah and Momoka are like, we're gonna be watching from not your cockpits this time. So there are stakes later, but not really. Yeah. Kind of. We're still not sure what those are. Says so they should be customized to be weaker for beginners, but wouldn't like wouldn't you be able to decide what like the final boss was, or is this supposed to be like Dark Army Day or something? Yeah, I think it's just like you roll a set randomly when you start, but you choose a different. It's a themed encounter. Yeah. That's yeah. how I take it. Just got to be careful that uh, it doesn't accidentally have like a difficulty scaling, depending on the player's ranks. Okay, that's going to come up with how the hell is he smurfing in a minute. But... I-, I imagine you choose a difficulty and the rewards are just scaled. So you get beginner rewards if you yeah. choose easy mode. So why would the champion go through it and do it? Unless it was for fun and then who cares? So we see the Walter land... And it does all of its creepy mouth part stuff. If I remember right, the Walter Gundam is what Alan B.'s Noble Gundam turned into when it uh, when she went like Dark Army. Uh, you're the G Gundam expert among us. It's been a while since I saw it. So Riku points his, his beam sword at it. And then it just collapses. And now, in another episode of How the Hell Does This Game Work, three random people have joined their encounter somehow. Yeah, they presented this as a thing, like an instanced thing when they were explaining it. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure what we're supposed to take is that part of their hacking is getting in here when they're not supposed to be able to. They have hacked their way into this. It still doesn't make a ton of sense. And they're driving Jagans. Yep. Is the black one like a special commander model Jagan or something, or is it a custom thing? It's the AWACS Jagan from Unicorn. Okay. But yeah, the, the other two, I just have regular Jagans. So they are using those evil hacking purple powers that Zaft guy had last episode. And they've come to snipe the win from the beginners because going through this mode on their own is too much work. Sure. It's tedious, I guess. I don't know. They just want that sweet reward. I don't really understand the point of this. Like, would the rewards be that good for a easy mode or new player thing again? Like. This is exactly the same thing with uh, the Oni kid trying to trick them earlier. Like, what is... Like, you can't be getting that much rank for fighting complete noobs. Yeah, well, I assume they want the rank for beating this mode, but you'd also think, like, an easy mode versus AI like this would not be worth much rank. It's a matter of, we haven't explained how rank works at all. And again, we have sort of a short-term goal for Riku and Yuki in that they want to build a force, right? But they don't have enough rank. Like, if you gave this some more stakes, like, this will rank them up enough that they can do that. Suddenly, this is a lot more exciting and, like, has more stake to it. But now they're just here to ruin the main character's fun. And just like we said last week, people having fun can be an exciting stake. There is a little girl who doesn't know how to smile. But these kids are just here to have fun, so not really. As weird as it is, I feel like if you're going to do something like this where the focus is on this online game, You kind of need to go through it, like, figure out how every bit of it works so that you can maintain that internal consistency and make your character motivations make sense. I just think it's a character motivation problem. Because, again, if the champion is the main character in this and he's like, oh, I want to hang out with some new players and show them that this place that I love is great. So this community will grow. Suddenly the stakes of this are much higher. Because he's just mentored this kid who's getting discouraged, and now there's a chance he's going to get discouraged again because some cheaters popped up right when he regained his motivation. 
Yeah, as opposed to it being Riku, who is um, dull as dishwater. Yeah. What does he lose if he loses here? Like, his fun afternoon kind of sucked. Yeah, his, his fun afternoon kind of takes a dive, but his gunpla doesn't get damaged. He doesn't have to fix anything. Like He doesn't have any personal relationship loss. Yeah, it's not like his, his uh, friends that happen to be here are going to think any worse of him if he loses to a bunch of cheaters. So, Kiyoya explains that this is cheating and they manipulate Gumpla data, like I kind of explained last week, but the show didn't. And apparently it also gives them this really bitchin' purple aura. And he's like, there aren't many of them, but there are more and more, especially among low-ranking players. You just want to get to the top quick. Well, and especially if it was... If it's getting bigger as, like, a a thing, like, the Gundam Battle Network is getting bigger as a, as a thing, you're obviously going to see more and more hackers and cheaters appearing, because that's how that works. And also, you know how when you hack, you create bugs? That's happening. Yeah, you know. Like, Leo's just getting up, and he's like, hey, have you seen anything like that for my investigate? I mean, because I'm a curious noob. And Riku flashes back to that Leo getting up. So then the schoolyard bullies are like, hey guys, you can leave. We'll finish this mission for you. But wouldn't them leaving cause the mission to shut down? (laughs) Uh, We don't know how any of this works, but it should. They shouldn't even be able to be here. I feel like this is just an instance that they're in. I don't... To be fair, I do think that they are not allowed to be here and they have hacked their way in. Fair. I do think that that is outside of like normal game parameters. But it doesn't explicitly say that. And uh, again, I also feel like this should not be worth a lot of rank points for fighting AI. Again, we don't know how rank works, and I could totally buy that you can get up to a certain level just by fighting AI, but... Yeah, just grinding. I feel like level and rank should be different. I've been thinking of it kind of like League of Legends, how the thing works in that. Where you just, like, yeah, I can play against AI all I want. I'm just never going to get any... I'm not going to rank up in the ranked mode. But I'm going to gain experience to get to level 30 so I can participate in the ranked mode if I want to do that. That's what I was thinking too, yeah. And I think it's like a hybrid between that and like video games where your rank is basically just your level, right? And so, Which is messy yeah. and inconsistent, but I can kind of buy it for a fictional MMO. It would be a terrible system for a real game. Fun fact, uh, CSGO only just like last week differentiated between the two. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, we're just going to steal the credit at the end because we're bullies. Ha ha. And Riku's like, that sucks. And they're like, your opinion does not matter. I prefer it uh, more. Riku says, that sucks. They say, you suck. And then goes to punch him in the face. But the Jagan is up armored due to cheating. Yes. So the beam rifle does nothing. There's some cool dodging of beam swords in close. Because the animation the show continues to be pretty good in fights. And Riku's like, this entire strat's lame. And Kyoya's like, that's my protege. And w- one of the mooks goes after Kyoya and he's like, noob. I'm the champion, and destroys the leg joint on it. Goes after the knee. I do like showing the champion as good enough to beat cheaters. Like, easily. Again, it depends on how cheating works, but that is a thing in some games. And we, I guess we already saw it with uh, Ogre, too. And if this is just giving their mobile suits a boost in durability and firepower and stuff, it doesn't make you a good pilot. It's more forgiving because you can make more mistakes, but the champion is, at the, is playing on the level of... I don't make mistakes because at the level I'm at, I can't afford them. Well, it's like in a fighting game playing a low tier intentionally against someone to, like, handicap yourself. But as we'll find out, this is actually his gunplay. He just strapped parts onto it to disguise it. Yeah, which is so dumb. It's amazing. It is silly. I I was kind of wishing... Like, I didn't think that was what was going to happen. I kind of just figured it was going to be a situation where it's like, yeah, this is just one of the other, like, side project gunplay I built for fun. But 
Riku and Yuki are like, oh, we saw what he did there, so we we at least see them learning from his quick maneuver. Mm-hmm. I used to be a cheater like you till I took a champion to the knee. <laughs> <laughs> so they teamwork together to allow Riku to get an arm. But then a raider-looking bird-type thing sh- jumps in, flies in, I suppose, and talons at Riku. And he's like, WTF? And then it never comes back again. Apparently what he did was he actually rolled a fumble, and the DM decided the best way for that to happen was to have just this random <laughs> bird attack yeah. him. Either that or he fell into a, a Far Cry game and wildlife attacked him while he was trying to do something else. Cut to the girls who don't know what's going on. And then the sky breaks. And hey, the Devil Gundam's here. That shouldn't happen either. But cheating causes bugs. I mean, the Devil Gundam was the final boss and Walter was defeated. I'm not sure exactly how that was supposed to work precisely, but I could also buy that because the Walter was defeated, it caused the Devil Gundam to spawn in. I just don't think it's supposed to come in by breaking the sky. But I don't play this game, so who knows? Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I'm just saying that I would I'd believe it. And it is color shifted. The parts that are blue, I think, are supposed to be yellow. It also has some red on it. I don't know. I'm basing my entire color scheme of the Devil Gundam, not from G Gundam, <laughs> but instead from Gundam Battle Assault 2. Cut to the cheaters who are like, I got a bad feeling about this. My spider sense is tangling. Maybe we should uh, back out of this one. As it wiggles its tentacles ominously. And the champion is like, oh, this is way stronger than a beginner should face. Maybe, like, they're differentiated based on color, so, like, the different color ones are, like, variations in difficulty, so, like, the blue one is, like, the expert setting or something. Cut to Ninja Girl from the opening, standing next to her Strider Hiryu bird. The Raider Gundam Strider Hiryu spec. (laughs) It really looks like it wants to be a Zoid. (laughs) A bit, yeah. Not a Zoid. Anytime you make a Gundam Uh, an animal, you're gonna get that. That's fair. Um, I actually more meant, what are the name of the robots in Power Rangers? A Zord. Yes. Zord, thank you. It looks like it should be a power Zord. I wonder if that's intentional with her. I wish we had more context with this person, because, like, she attacked Riku for, like, no reason. Like, it would make a lot more sense if we'd seen them do something to piss her off. It's foreshadowing, you know, that thing this show is actually doing a lot of, just not very well. But this isn't really foreshadowing, this is just a person. (laughs) It's fine. Anyway, the Jagans begin attacking the Devil Gundam. Is that a normal Jagan thing where they have missiles in the shield? Yes, the lance is not, but the shield missiles are. <laughs> the Devil Gundam literally just eats the lance that they fire, which is hilarious. And then he gets lasered. Uh, even cheating can't defeat the Devil Gundam. And then he can't retire from the mission. He can't log out. Yeah, you know, he's got that dot hack disease because he cheated. Also, if you notice, the error has a single backward R for some reason. To show you how bad it is. Uh, so yeah, these stakes are great. He can't retreat, so his j- jagging gets blown up. So we all know how bad that is for him. And the one who had its leg blown off by uh, the champion gets the eaten. champion l- literally just gets crunched, um In a, I love that animation too. That was fantastic. It is very well done. Like the animation, I can't take away from the series so far. But with this, like. I'm kind of hoping that we see something come of this in the next episode. Like, was them not being able to log out indicative of, like, a sword art or dot hack situation? Or is it just something else? Or are they never allowed to log into the GBN ever again? I mean, they are cheaters. So they're like, oh, they're cheating and they got beat up so easily. High stakes. But Kyo's like, stand back, you guys. I got it. And they're like, yeah, we have to help you, dude. You're a noob just like us. <laughs> all for one, all for one for all. You know, teamwork. And he's like, yes, I appreciate your shonen spirit. 
but I don't think you're actually going to do anything to help me. <laughs> I feel like he just lets them because there are no stakes if they if they lose in the game, nothing yeah, happens. Yeah, I mean that's probably true because it's like what what's going to happen if they lose here? Like nothing. Like, he acquiesces immediately to them asking to help. Well, it also could be just a situation where it's like, well, I can't exactly stop them from helping me anyway, so I might as well use this distraction. But that's way way, way more cynical than this character has been presented as so far. Ricky's like, how can we beat it, even if we aim for the joints? Um, and Kelly's like, that's the only way. We'll just have to make an opening. Uh, meanwhile, Sarah and Momoka are running around on the ground again. It would be bad if they got eaten. Or dissolved? Like, I'm not sure what the stakes are here. I love how concerned Momoka's Haro looks here. It has, like, worry lines around the eyes. So they're about to get blasted, but the champion jumps in the way. And to be fair to the champion, even ignoring the stakes thing, I am also the sort of player in MMOs who likes to charge in and helps noobs if they're in trouble, so... I buy him just wanting to play hero. <laughs> I'm For the sure. kind of player that will generally just point and laugh because I've been there before. Uh, anyway, he takes a blast to the face, and his armor starts cracking off, revealing under the H2 Darktown is the H2 Magnum. And of course, his mask and also breaks his mask for some breaks. reason. <laughs> uh, sometimes the show is brilliant. Apparently, his mask was directly connected to the armor for the H2 Darkhound. So when that was destroyed, it also destroyed the mask's durability. <laughs> So what actually happens here, so, okay, here's my theory on how his Smurf account works, is you actually have multiple profiles, and he just switched profiles there. <laughs> and it's the champion! And everyone's like, gasp, la gasp. I mean, I do love how the characters react of, dear god, it's actually the champion, which is, I think, kind of the reaction you would have if you were playing with somebody that was that famous mm -hmm. and you didn't realize it. And he's like, hey, are you two okay? And they're like, uh, yeah. And he's like, find shelter. Obviously. Couldn't we just guest mode them into the cockpit? You'd think. They were just in there earlier. I like how it's his fine. reaction to this is, goodness, my outer parts are broken. Also, my mask seems to have slipped. Anyway. We get an excellent shot of him standing before the tableau with the Devil Gundam. I don't know if this is a shot, if this is a direct shot from one out of G Gundam, but I would believe it if it was. It looks a lot like right before Domon's about to face it. Also, we find out Kiyoya is a fan of Sailor Moon as he, how dares you go after evil divers? I'll punish you. And he like points at it and the machine points at it too. It's pretty great. And he just goes full on, look how much of a badass I am. Yeah, he deflects beams back at it with his swords. He Star Wars, this. he Jedi Knights this up. And Momoka has a crush. <laughs> I love how Momoka gets the blush lines on the Haro. He uses those awesome sword funnels to just rip its guts apart. Then they all combine to shoot out a, a giant laser sword. This looks like something straight... Shiny Figo <laughs> looks sword. straight out of G Gundam. Actually, Zach, you would know this better than I. The champion's guild is called Avalon, and he's got a lot of Excalibur and King Arthur themes. Some people think this is a reference to a fate thing. Ha. Huh. I would believe it, because this looks a lot like how Excalibur, the uh, Noble Phantasm, appears. But at the same time, this is also very similar to how the Shining, Shining Finger, Finger Sword, sword. Looks. So... Yeah. True. Like, it could be both. He's about to swing it. The, like, shoulder claws attack him, but Yuki and Riku blow them apart. To give him charge to charge his spirit bomb. And then, unlike every time the spirit bomb has been used elsewhere, this one actually hits. And the Devil Gundam explodes. Yeah, I'd have to double check, but I think that is actually how they killed the Dark Gundam the first time, or Devil Gundam the first time, is with a- Yeah, with a Shining Finger Sword. With a Shining right. Finger Sword that looks very similar to that. 
You might be right. I will say that entire fight, pretty rad. Yeah, sword finals, dude. Well, it does re- also reinforce how good the champion actually is by showing it off. That's one thing I still can't take away from the series so far. The animation is really nice in the fights. So cut back to the lobby where the champion's like, yeah, sorry, I lied to you guys. <laughs> Takes off his cape. Which, it, very in character because like this is a, a stand-up dude type of character. Yeah. Like, no, don't apologize. We're just super excited to meet you. And then he explains what he was doing there. I heard rumors of those hackers doing that, so I wanted to tag along with some lobies to see what I could see. Because they obviously wouldn't jump me if I were doing it. Because the devs are apparently terrible at balancing and making sure noobs have a good experience. (laughs) Me and Maggie have to fucking do it. (laughs) No, see, the problem is the devs are spending all of their time trying to figure out how to implement some anti-cheat software. That's the problem. They built this really niche at the time MMO that has now exploded. And now they're like, shit, we need to implement some anti-cheat. And so they haven't gotten around to recreating a tutorial, which was initially the plan. So, Zach, <laughs> um, you thought I was kidding about Sarah. Do you think I'm kidding if I say the like mid-season finale is them having to defend a place while the devs introduce a patch to remove mass divers? Do I think you're kidding about that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I will admit, it does. that does sound kind of fun. It's one of those things where if the series... If the series isn't taking itself too seriously about that kind of a thing, like if I can get behind Riku, because when you break it down, there are some series that are just outright ridiculous, like Kill a Kill. Mm-hmm. But I can get behind Kill a Kill because I can get behind Matoy and get in her corner. Yeah, but the thing is, Matoy's dad's dead. You understand her motivation immediately. Even as the show goes later and later. And how yes. even with uh, Darling in the Franks, which wasn't as bad as I had been, which people had impressed on me, it is bonkers. And it has the trigger problem, but it doesn't compensate for it. They do just make Zero Two a giant woman at the end. They just swing right for those fences. They're like, buy all our playsets and toys! The giant bridal mech? (laughs) Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, Kiyo is like, yeah, I'd stand out too much looking like me. So I wore a mask. And they're all like, you stood out a ton beforehand. Well, yeah, but at the same time, like, it's a Gundam standing out. It's like, hey, look. Yeah. He says, I've ended up putting you guys in danger, and my... my Actually, you saved our ass, is what happened. Well, he says, I ended up putting you in danger, and my first thought was, what are stakes? Like, did That's you really too. put them in danger? Also, that would they would have just lost entirely if you weren't there. I, you had nothing to do yes. with it at all. Although, I, I do like how he, like, they give him praise, and he has that smile of, I like meeting fans type <laughs> of thing. Like, I, I like these kids. He's like, anyway, as you saw, there's lots of mass divers and it's making all sorts of bugs and stuff. I want to stop it. Because the devs are busy. May I recruit you into my militia? If Gondor calls for aid, will you answer? They're like, yeah. And they're like, we're level two? Sure. Well, I mean, it's still kind of neat that he's like, he's propping these newbies up. Like, that's kind of what he's doing. And I also very much get the impression that level in this game has almost no bearing on performance. I feel like level is more of what we would normally uh, ascribe to rank. Like, these guys are, like, iron tier in terms of rank. As opposed to, like, if you're playing an MMO, you're, like, level 30 as opposed to level 20. It's purely experience, basically. But we also do know that, like, you can unlock weird parts and... I don't know if I just made this up or if this is a memory. I think there's like a 3D printer where if you unlock rare parts in the game, you can 3D print those parts for your Gumpla. They did say something about earning uh, parts as rewards for missions in the first mm-hmm. episode. 
<laughs> that remind that that'd be kind of funny. It reminds me of uh, when Pokemon Snap came out. You remember how? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I go to Blockbuster and print out the your your postage stamp sized photos. Yep, we're old. I had a roll of those for a long time <laughs> laying around remember somewhere. Remember Blockbuster listeners? Hey, it was in Captain Marvel. People watched that movie. Oh yeah, that's true. It was, <laughs> wasn't it? Anyway, Riku's like, yeah, one day I want to fight you, senpai. You think I can? And he's like, as long as you get that frustration spirit, I'll be waiting. Let's shake hands. Also, can I friend you guys? And I love that he asks them. I, I really do <laughs> like that he asks them and their immediate response is, wait, are you serious? Because it makes sense. Like, Yeah. Pan right to Emperor fucking Palpatine was seeing in on this. <laughs> and that's the episode ending. Momoko's included in that, uh, can I add you to my friends list thing? Yeah, because um, she got a crush. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a crush on the champion. Well, then again, so does everybody else, so... Yes, that's true. Well, I think Riku and Yuki are too boring to have sexual feelings, but... <laughs> I mean, you could be right. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, I actually like that episode. It might be the last one I like, but maybe there are some more surprises coming down the bend. I mean, that episode was a lot of fun. I did enjoy it. Like, I still have a whole bunch of questions that are entirely unrelated, where it's like, how does any of this work? But it was still a fun little ride. I still sent most of the time figuring out how to do it better. And I think one of the reasons I like it so much is, like I said, if you shift and pretend the champion is the main character, suddenly the stakes are kind of apparent. Yep. I was going to say he's clearly the main character, right? All righty. So did you have a high point, Tyler? I'm going to say the use of the sword funnels very specifically. Actually, oh, wait, no, can I take that back? The use of the fishing <laughs> hook very specifically. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be mine if you went with the uh, the champion at the end. It's so good. Uh, Zach? Mine is probably just showing off how strong the champion is as a player when he basically want, uh, solos the Dark Gundam at the end, or Devil Gundam. The dub of the of G Gundam is Dark Gundam because they changed mm -hmm. it, and that's what it is in my head constantly. They are Dark and Devil Gundam at the same time. It's just whichever one I say. But it's definitely the Burning Gundam and not the God Gundam in my head. To be fair, Burning sounds way cooler than God. Yeah. I'm going to go with, like, the champion's disguise and the fact that he disguises his fucking Gumpla as well. As something that Gumpla, <laughs> his Gumpla was disguised at in its base series, that is, like, top-tier meta joke. I mean, so far, the series has been pretty good with its, like, references and in-jokes to itself. The problem is the, the shell around those isn't very good. Do you have a low point, Tyler? Man, they spent way too much time on the first three phases of the serial battle. Like, I feel like they could have really streamlined the first, like, ten minutes of this episode a lot better. Zach? Mine is going to be related, but it's going to be specifically... Did we really need you to go in and completely explain how the serial battle works? I suppose we're just diving into it. You already explained how the missions work in episode one. Did we need more tutorial for this game that doesn't exist? Part of me just wants to say stakes explanation point. But honestly, this is Momoka has been in the whole series, but this is kind of her debut episode, right? And it's completely overshadowed by the champion here, right? She doesn't need to be here except for that yep. so she can also have a crush on the champion. Yeah, that it, that's really true. I hadn't thought of that. And especially because here she doesn't even have a player model. Do we want to add something to our mobile suit list? I feel like it's the H2 Magnum or maybe Rommel's mobile suit. I don't think we've seen Rommel's mobile suit do enough yet. Because you guys haven't watched the prologue. I have watched but the again, I guess series, it, but that's fair. I guess that's a fair assessment. pretty... Similar, what he actually did in the prologue was 
pretty much what it showed in this episode. I'm into those weird switchblade feet. So are we going with the Grimoire Red Beret then? Yeah, sure. It's kind of a weird one. I'm, I'm interested to see where it'll it fall is. on the list. I also think the Ogre GNX is kind of weird. So how do we think it compares to that as a starting point? I like it less... Like we, I like it both more and less, but I think it's an overall yeah, weaker design. The switchblade feet are really cool. The thing that puts the Ogre GNX above it for me is the way the visor comes down during Transam. Yeah, I think I like the Ogre GNX more, but I like how the uh, Rommel's mobile suit just looks... It looks functional because it's got like that big old backpack. It's got its pistol. It's got a rifle. Like It's not fancy like everything else so far, but I do think the Ogre is better. It's got a grunt suit feel, so I want to compare it to grunt suits. How do we think it compares to the Astray? I actually kind of like it more than the Astray. I was going to say I kind of prefer the Astray, just because I like, I don't know, the Astray's got a nice sleek design. I think I also slightly prefer the Astray. It's just, I really like the Ale Strike, and it looks like a mass-produced Ale Strike. That's fair. Uh, this is a decent comparison. How do we think it compares to the Ash, the aquatic mobile suit exclusively for assassinating Lacus Klein? <laughs> uh, I think it's better than the Ash. I mean, the Ash does look pretty good, but I I really like how his mobile suit looks. I think I like it better than the Ash pretty solidly. I like the Ash surprisingly well, now that I'm looking I mean, at it it's again. Top half but for us. I think I like the Grimoire better. This is a weird comparison, but it feels like the right one. How do we think it compares to the Zamzaza? Yeah, and this is where I was hoping we'd get, because I d- honestly don't know what, that I have an answer to this question. I think... I prefer it to the Zamzaza, but that's in large part because I really prefer actual mobile suits to the mobile armor. Like, the Zamzaza is just a big crab, and that's not really my jam. And this one's, like, weirdly straddling the line, especially this variant of it. Yeah, I think that's why I wanted to make the comparison. Because I talked earlier about the mobile armor, air quotes, problem in Gundam. Yeah, the fact that this can move in a way that a human can't, and I like I love that it can do that. And while I'm a big fan of the Zamzaza, I think I actually prefer the Grimoire because it is a little bit more humanoid. Uh, right above that is the Providence Gundam. I prefer the Providence, I think, but it's really close. I think I'm also on board with the Providence um, because the stupid starfish funnel has just been growing on me. See, that's the, that's the part of the Providence I hate, but the rest of it. I think I prefer the Grimoire here, because it, fe- I mean, I'm already outvoted, but it feels more like the uh, whole trooper type of thing, because it's got its big, it's got its big old backpack. Like I said, it's got the pistol and it's got the rifle. The red head on top of the green mobile suit, I really actually like. And I actually really dislike it. Yeah, I definitely get the appeal you're going for, Zach. But like the backpack, I don't dislike it, but it's kind of like in the same category as the big starfish to me. Like they kind of negate each other. And I like the rest of the Providence more. I don't like the starfish because it's just a starfish. Whereas the backpack like actually looks like what you'd see a soldier carrying as a backpack. Mm-hmm. I definitely get why you like it. But I think I prefer the Providence. I also like it, I think, a lot for the same reasons, like the, the shin-mounted rocket launcher things. Give it just, like, a really meaty feel. I just, I'm weirdly fond of the Providence, especially in hindsight. And, like, I've consistently disliked the Providence. So the Grimoire Red Beret is going to go at number 25, above the Zamzaza, and below the Providence. All right, so from What's a Gundam, scroll down, we have the Leo. I have almost zero nostalgia for the Leo. When I saw other like similar grunt suits at first, I'm like, oh, those are just worse Leos. But the more I saw the Leo in them, the more I think the Leo is legit like the worst Zaku spinoff the series has produced. 
I am not a huge fan of the Leo's design. It looks extremely generic and like it doesn't even come from Gundam to me. I'm okay with the Leo being so gen- like super generic because that's what it is. It's a generic mobile suit for it. But like looking at it, how it compares to, say, the Jin or yeah. the Zaku, like not even just the Destiny Zaku, the original Zaku. It doesn't mm-hmm. have the character that you see in pretty much every other series. Like, even when you're looking at the Dark Army from G Gundam as their grunt suit, like, it doesn't have that same kind of visual character. Yeah, and I think we're all saying it's worse than the Jin, right? Which is just barely outside our bottom ten. Yeah, it's it's definitely worse than the Jin to me. Yeah, all these suck. Um, I don't know what else to compare it to off my head. I I think it's slightly better than the Bobby. The Bobby is the upgraded flying one, right? Yep. The one with the weird freaking cylinder head? Mm-hmm. Yep. I personally prefer the Leo because that thing just looks so stupid. Yeah. Yeah, as much as I think the Leo is extremely generic, the Bobby is actively bad. Uh, speaking of looks stupid, above that we have the Gelsgi, the Dryder. I think that I like the Leo more than that. I mean, the Gelsgi, the Dryder... Like, it's got a, its own personal, like, character by virtue of what it is, but I don't really like the Dryder design as a design thing, so I'd give it to the Leo as well. Yeah, I, was, I think I prefer the Gelsgi, but again, I am just weirdly fond of this stupid crab thing and all of its variants. A bit above it, we have the Zoot, which is the Zaft artillery suit, and because that has a role, I think I like it more than the Leo. Well, I mean, the Leo's role is... It is foot soldier. It, yeah. You're right, it does have a role. It has a specialized role, I guess, is what I'm saying, and I tend to prefer that. You're right, though. It, it is a little unfair to say the re- Leo has no role. Yeah, it, it's just, its role is grunt. Yeah, I mean, the Zood doesn't get a lot of screen time. I'm, I'm also just double-checking. We're all, This is also the Zero-G Leos, right? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to have Leo as multiple entries. If you guys think we should, we can. I, I think the only, like, two different ones are the Zero G Leo and the Standard Leo, and the Zero G Leo is literally just a Leo with a maneuvering pack. It's, like, actually a belt. Yeah, I'm considering the ability to strap that on as part of the Leo design. You know, I even with that, I think I would give it to the Zoot. It's just, like, that specialist role that it has, as well as the fact that, like, when they show it, it can either be in, like, tank form or as a mobile suit, so it can kind of go into that gun cannon mode. Yeah, I was going to say, the fact that it's, like, reminiscent of the gun tank. Right below the Zoot, we have the Gaza Oot, the upgraded version, and I actually think that's where I want to put the Leo, is between them. Because the Gaza Oot has that lazy reused feeling, and I don't like it as much, which is why it's lower. Yeah, and it doesn't really get a lot of appearance. Like, I don't, I'm trying to think of, like, a clean look that you get at the Gaza Oot, but I, you really don't get a good shot of it. I think the closest is when it's shooting down Lacus Klein's shuttle, or I guess trying to. And it's almost the exact same thing, except in worse colors. And, well, I mean, functionality-wise, so, if I remember right, like, it has a couple of beam weapons. Mm-hmm. But from an appearance-wise, I think, like, the only thing that you see on it that's different is it's a different color. It, it has R-mounted missiles, whereas the Zoot only has beam weapons, I think. No, the Zoot has shell-firing weapons. They're like big cannons, though. Does it? So they look like beam weapons. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think the Gazood is lower in the list for a reason. And uh, that said, I think I still prefer to the Leo. Uh, I vote for the Leo over Gazood, Zach. I think I also prefer the Leo to the Gazood. All right, so the Leo goes at number 62 above the Gazood and below the Zood. Zoot, Zoot. That does it for this episode. Join us next week when we will be watching episode four, 
Tiger Wolf of the Sacred Mountain. That sounds like a completely different show. <laughs> that sounds like it's coming out of G Gundam. Uh, kind of is, honestly, <laughs> if I'm remembering it correctly. Tyler, is this Gundam or is this Isekai? Um, you know, so we went slightly more towards Gundam in this, I think. I'm still feeling Isekai. Zach? I'm still not really feeling Isekai here. I think we're still Gundam. Well, we're still split, so we'll have to ask again next week. Bye. Bye.